Thanks for listening to DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you. Greg, I'm in a phone booth. <laughs> I, well, I was gonna. That was immediately the first question I was gonna ask you. That that is not your regular studio you're in right now. Yeah. No. Well, so I decided, and I I wanted to just like go on it all in on this because, you know, one of the subjects for today we're gonna talk about like this whole startup thing, right? And I was mm -hmm. like, well. You know, a lot of startups start at home, but a lot of also they start in these like co-working spaces, right? Or, or these incubator type of things. I'm in a co-working space today and I'm trying out one of the little phone booths. I came in here and I, I turned into super host. So I'll, I'll, I'll be good. Um, but, you better uh, be good. You better yeah, be good. Exactly. Um, but yeah. I, gotta, I have a question though. Yeah, yeah. If you're in an incubator type situation, are, do you feel like you're getting tested on? Well, I don't know how many people are actually doing any kind of, I, I, maybe, um, actually, you know, who knows, in a, in a COVID era, I, I, right. this whole incubator for, <laughs> uh, with a bunch of people. So I don't know, you know, like I haven't, this is day one in this place. And actually, by the time this show runs, you know, uh, the, the Beeswax, the company that I work with, will have already rented a space here. And we have this little office space for four and, and whatnot. And uh, uh, I think that's going to be cool. Um but I don't know. By the time this runs, I'll either be saying, wow, this was an amazing success or uh, wow. I don't know about this. So we'll have to see. It's it's day one here. So it's day one. So decisions made you're going to use it or you're testing it right now? I, I'm I'm like coming in just to see what it's like to prep for me coming in because uh, we basically we've already made the call to 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 do this thing because okay. once I saw it online, I was like, OK, this place is cool. I got to do this. And funny enough, so my my wife and I, we've been watching these like rom-coms on Netflix mm -hmm. lately. And, um, you know, they're they're going through and, you know, like all this, you know, different whatever. And, and we see this Christmas one. It's like, oh, this one looks kind of fun. A little, you know, Christmas in California or something like that, right? I'm like, oh, right. I'll go check this out. We start watching it. It's filmed in this office space. <laughs> oh, wow. That is, that's a sign. That's a signal. I was like, oh, that's okay. Probably. This is the place to go. And we just watched it like two nights ago. So I was like, okay, this this is uh, going to be interesting. Well, uh, unless it's a Christmas disaster movie. Then you don't, true. right? Yeah, then you then, probably then we don't. don't, know. You know, we don't it might know. be a bad signal. And then Maybe, I know um, you're a big espresso guy. Uh, they yeah. offer espresso there. Uh, they do. So they not only do they have espresso, like the actual, you know, it's a machine making right. espresso that's actually pretty good. Uh, as you can tell, I've had some. Um, but also uh, they have like, this i don't know it's called a bevy machine where it's all kinds of other sorts of beverages mm. and then they have they have kombucha and and ipa on tap oh so <laughs> it's like, all right in there but this uh, be great. Yeah. so yeah they, they've got it all here um so it, well it's i'm curious right outside the window they, here you know they sent you in right you're you're checking this place out and i'm just curious like what are you looking for to help you make a decision on whether this is a good fit or not a good fit for beeswax you know well for for me personally it was is it um uh you know can i get here how's the parking how's the lunch right i mean that's you, you got to check out that stuff first so okay that's all past uh that that's all good but then you know it's like 
what about like, you know, is the space that we're going to be in, you know, can we, can we collaborate in there? Can we actually, you know, bring in some clients maybe for, for certain things and like what, you know, I, I think it's going to pass all those tests. Like it, it, it's. So they I, have a lot of conference rooms you can use. They have individual workstations. Do they have yeah. like a lot of printers that if you need to print it, out? Yeah, so, exactly. Like everything, everything you could want, uh, you know, and, and need it's like, it's right here. So it's, it's really cool. And this isn't an advertisement for this place. Cause I haven't even mentioned the name and I won't. So that way we don't plug them uh, unless, you know, they want to maybe give beeswax yeah. a, a free month or something. We'll, we'll chat. Or, or sponsor the show, which we would take too. <laughs> so that's fine. Exactly. Sure. Sure. But, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, fun being next to like other people, seeing other people working instead of just being in my little, little space at home. And, and, you know, who knows, right? Like, um, uh, wh what's going on in the world? Who knows what's going on out there? I, I know my four walls, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know beyond that here. It's kind of cool to see other people, you know, making phone calls and, you know, just doing different things like the business stuff. So it's, it's fun. But then I got me wondering, like, I'm wondering, like, what are they doing? Like, what is their business? What, so I'm going to probably have to start meeting all these people. And then, you know, maybe maybe we'll bring them, start bringing some of these people on the show. They'll put them in another phone booth and, and we'll. Oh, uh, I was going to say, is there enough room in your phone booth? To <laughs> I don't think we can get a guest in here. Um, but, you know, like talking to them about their different businesses. What's interesting is there's like a newspaper in here. Like, whoa, a, a, a newspaper. First of all, you know, those used to be in big buildings. Remember the, like one of the newspapers up here that we used to advertise in, they had this huge building. Now they're in a, one of these small little co-working spaces. So it's interesting to see like that, but then there's like some signs up on some of the offices of companies that I've never heard of that I'm really interested in. Like, okay, what is that? Right. It sounds like some sort of tech startup or something. So uh, that'll be interesting, but I don't, you know, what, what do I go ask them? What do I go talk to them about? Well, maybe Bill, our guest here could uh, give me, give me some ideas. Uh, <laughs> hey, Bill. Thanks for having me, Greg and Russ. So you've you've started countless uh, startups, and and we're just talking about that over the last five years. Uh, you've started a bunch, so uh, I, I figured you were a great person to to, to have on the show to kind of experience day one with me here at this uh, co working space. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've done my time in some co working spaces. Um, due to the new nature of my present job, I can't be on site for any individual company, but. Um, a lot of community events in Buffalo are in the various co-working spaces. So yeah, I don't yeah. I get there often. And yeah. they're, do, they're doing one of those tonight. So I, I, I got to, you know, get ready for that. I don't, I, who knows what that's going to be. If they already have beer on tap, what, what are they going to bring in tonight? This is going to be exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, Bill, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell, tell uh, the audience kind of, kind of who you are. Sure. So I'm Bill Bolden from Buffalo, New York. Uh, and Professionally, I've been a developer for 24 years, um, and I have been programming since I was five. Uh, wow. I learned how to program in basic shortly after becoming literate. Um, but yes, uh, I spent the first half of my career rising up the ranks from being just a, a junior developer to a mid, to a senior, to a full stack, to a CTO. And then... Uh, I fell in love with launching tech startups and I started off with a bang with a great one, great culture, great product that exited. And, um, I wanted to stay with the startup life. So I joined another and that one was kind of a bad bet that didn't work out. And then I moved to another and that one was a bad bet that didn't work out. 
<laughs> and so I had this moment where I realized I want to keep building these startups, but it is traumatic in America to change insurers multiple times in a year. Right. <laughs> so from now on, um, if someone wants me to build their startup for them, they can have me part time. And so I formed Bill Bolden LLC, which is just a shell company for myself, where um, I'm sort of like a technical co-founder for hire. So for a while, I was really just like a developer who was super good at launching products. But as I continued to be in the passenger seat, in the sidecar, watching the founders struggle with building out sales teams, deciding on their social media marketing strategies, fighting with the app store, securing loans, hiring and firing, every part of raising a business, I began acquiring experience 360 degrees about everything it means to be in a startup because there really is nothing new under the sun. Um, so I specialize and focus on like designing your product and building it and making it work and writing the code and fixing the bugs and launching the app or platform. But I have found in uh, the last 18 months specifically, I can bring a lot of value to the people who I essentially co-found with by also just um, being able to advise on everything, right? Like, yeah, I am no customer service expert, but I have watched 15 other startups try and fail to implement a startup customer yeah. service program. And I am no salesperson, dear God, no, but I have watched 12 other startups, you know, try and eventually figure out what works for sales and they can bring their learnings to you, right? So now I'm sort of this uh, jack of all trades, but still master of one. Uh, and in the last five years, I have launched 22 distinct tech products. Um, and right now I am actively working with seven. So there are seven companies I'm working at right now. The one where my tenure is the longest, I've been at about 14 months. A lot of the others, I'm still just in my third or fourth month. But then, you know, their products will launch. And then usually um, some people want new features forever, you know, more and more and more. Sure. But a lot of people are like, hey, this is perfect. This is, it does what it does. Thanks. You built us the Instacart. Now right. it's, we'll call you once a month when we need a new feature. But other than that, um, it's on us. Scaling. That's yeah, that's rare. I mean, I I worked in the tech industry for a long time, and usually there's always innovations like constantly being thrown around with the engineers and and founders of companies. You 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 mentioned something that caught my ear. You said in the past eighteen months that uh, you know it sounded like, and I and I would love to have you expand on this. Like sounded like something a switch got flipped or something changed in the past 18 months because you specifically used that time frame. I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, I would say that I finally got the confidence and just the raw numbers to begin stepping out of my role. Uh, because at first as a CTO, it was very much like, you know, if this is a question about the Python code. We'll ask you buddy. Right. But this is about the bank account. And then, you know, it was somewhere like around 18 months ago, I would have been at like the 15 startup mark. And so it very much was sort of like starting to be like, wait, listen, I can help you with all these things because this is, there's nothing new under the sun here. Like, uh, 
you're having the same problem this other guy had. It happens to every startup. You're misusing your R&D tax credits. No, I can't file the legal work for you. I don't know how to do that, but I know that you should be doing that, right? Let me tell you what we did, and then you can take it to your lawyer. And there's so many of those, right? AWS credits, um, hiring somebody who doesn't work out and not firing them promptly enough difficult hiring decisions, expanding into new markets, coping with HIPAA and GDPR and SOC 2, um, securing against ransomware, cyber attacks, and now AI prompt injection. Um, and and always in the development space of things like developers, man, I've, I've been a developer my whole life. And us, us developers, you know, you got cowboys who go their own way and shoot from the hip <laughs> writing code that no one else will ever understand but you also have like extreme rigorous people who are perfectly happy to write a thousand lines of documentation for one line of code and then argue with you over whether or not it should be unit tested there's just so many different ways in the world to be a developer and um i've, I've seen them all right so i, I can wrangle because the thing that comes back to it with with my startups is like startups is like the pressure is on the clock's burning like you have a runway a lot of places it's six months if you're lucky it's 18 months you have to get out there and prove the thing you're doing can make money or convince somebody to give you an arbitrarily large check by making them think you will make money if only given the check uh and so that's you know that's the game and i find that a lot of people who are used to very corporate jobs are not uh built for the sort of like i'm not talking 60 hour work weeks or something i'm just talking about like the like you can't dither like you can't circle back with me in a week i need to push a new feature by the by the end of the work day help me that kind of you know okay so uh i would say a number of our guests you know maybe they maybe they're developers a number of them are not one thing that i've always like uh, that, that like when you mentioned uh like the, the the wild west coders right the cowboy coders that are getting in there and just you know maybe not doing the right thing but they're doing whatever just works to get the job done i i think that there's there's definitely going to be some of that out there is there any way when you're in you know the position of not being the cto you're you're you know you've got somebody else building out something for you is there any way that like just the average person can check code or to know if there's quality or to like figure out like did these guys actually do a decent job on my on my website or my app or whatever it is you are you are speaking my language um so i would describe about half the rest the startups i've worked with as rescues um they right. i come in and they're like hey bill you got to help us we heard you were good at this. We, we have a team of devs, but they don't seem to like get a lot done or whatever. I'll come in, I'll look at the code and about half the time I'll be like, okay, yeah, they're doing a good job. This is, this is decent code. I would have done pretty much everything this way, but let's talk about your management processes or something, right? And then sometimes though I come in and I'm like, you are being defrauded, mm -hmm. right? Like, um, it just happens. And, uh, and so sometimes I've, I've seen it all because I've launched 22 products, but I probably worked with 50 startups, uh, right. in the last five years. The others are ones who I like came in and did a single day audit for, 
And um, sometimes it's a, they went cheap with a junior who just hasn't seen enough shit. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, there's there's often a, um, one of my red flags for founders is the whole like, oh, you know, I'll just have my, my nephew build it. He does code. <laughs> and it's always like that really, is a big red flag it oh is, yeah it is we it's like, so many uh, of those i always tell them this is what i call the nephew paradox why is it that your idea is so huge that it will change the world and make you a billion dollars and also your nephew should just do it in a weekend one of these <laughs> can't both be true right um but it also speaks to a lack of understanding the craftsmanship of the proper right product yeah um so sometimes it's because people went cheap Sometimes it's because people, uh, well, I think a lot of times they just don't know. They don't know what to look for. Like Russ is saying, it's like, I'm not a coder. I'm a, I'm a CEO, but I'm not a coder. And somebody comes in and says, I know code and I can build you this. And like, I I don't know the proper test to ask them or give them to know if they know what they're talking about or they're just BS. I mean, we're we're just looking at it like from the outside, right? Like somebody give you a, like, I, I want you to build me a box. Okay, here's the box. We know that it's a box on the outside because we can see it, but the inside, like, who knows, right? And and I mean, you know, I, I'm somewhat of a, like, on the technical side of things. So I, I get, you know, I, I get looking at code. I get, you know, some of that stuff, but there's only to a certain level. And then it's like, it becomes a box for me as well. Well, so this is what I would really... I, I actually, I spoke a lot this year. I spoke um, at several conferences. And they were all startup focused. And the number one thing I want to convince my non-technical founders of is that it's not as scary as you think and that you have to disabuse yourself of the knowledge, of the thought that there is some rocketry going on that that you should just check out. Because um, let me put it this way. I've come into companies, right? I've come into companies. If you hired an accountant to do your books, and then when, you know, you, you're not a CPA, you can't do that. They can. But then in the end you asked, can I see my books? And they said, no, no, you would never understand it. <laughs> you would fire that person. Right, right? right. And yet I constantly come into companies where um, I ask, well, can I see the code? And they're like, the developer has never given me access to the code or the place where it's stored. I actually don't know. And then I'll be like, go ask your developer. And the developer will be like, oh, there's no need for you to look at. Mm. Red flag town, right? Yeah. It's just yeah. like the accountant. Here's the thing. I'm not asking you to be a compiler or learn Node or Python or anything. But um, modern programming, not old like C++ memory management stuff, but modern programming is easier to grok than you think, at least for reading it, not writing it. Yeah. And well-written code should actually read a lot like English, um, especially Python. And I, I tell you, if you go look at like a functioning good website that has Python code and you go find the file called process order and it's like, you know, if order, then start processing dot end dot await. And like, you don't need to know what all that stuff does, but like the judge is there. Like we're on the right track, right? Like this. Yeah. Um, so, so even being able to see that, um, and they should be able to justify their decisions. So, like I said, when I come in, um, 
sometimes it's just juniors who are in over their head. Sometimes it was someone hiring their nephew and not thinking ahead to the future. Sometimes it's um, actual fraud. And the, the other thing is, though, is um, you just got to have a sense for, like, how it's done, which is where raw reps matters, right? Like, um, I, I, I go through this a lot, especially at startups, where we'll work with a UX designer, and there will be this lavish, like, here we've made the login screen with the forgot password button and all that. And it's like, man, like, in the time you were doing that, I already subscribed to Auth0 or Clerk and just used their pre-built login plugin. Because <laughs> logging into a website is the oldest thing in the book, and there are just pre-made components that do it. Good. And then yeah. it's like, and here's our custom buttons with the rounded corners. And it's like, I was just going to go use Material or Tailwind or Bootstrap or Mantine, which provides you ready-made hundreds of buttons that look different ways pick one and I'll roll with it and use it. And in this way, I'm turning out new startups, usually in six to eight weeks. Um, yeah. it, there's so much that's being done as a service that if you just have awareness of the tools that are out there, you don't have to send emails yourself. You can use SendGrid. You don't have to write code that sends text messages yourself. You can do that through Twilio. For marketing messages, you should be sending people through Constant Contact, MailChimp, or OneSignal. You don't have to write your own CRM. You should use Pipedrive or Salesforce uh, or something. Um, you don't have to write your own credit card processing code. You simply get an API key to Stripe and embed that back in your backend. You don't have to have servers to host it because AWS, Vercel, and Heroku exist. And I could go on like this for 10 minutes. Like uh, half the value in me is just that I, I know what all those things are because, again, until the emergence of ChatGPT, there was nothing new under the sun for years and years and years. Now it's a little different, but yeah. it's all in how it's all just wired together for whatever you're trying to do, right? Like you grab the right things for the and and understanding and knowing those tools is is also sometimes difficult, which is where you know somebody coming in at your level to help to make those decisions on, on making the right choices. Cause, Cause a lot of tools don't work well with each other. Right. And then, you know, and then they're trying to piece those together and something breaks. Right. Uh, I'll tell you that there have been big strides in this space recently that that specific thing you said, uh, for a long time, Zapier was, um, the tool that glues all other tools together. Mm -hmm. And they boast that there are over 12,000 different SaaS platforms that sync into and out of Zapier. Um, Zapier, though, has become prohibitively expensive because they dominated that market and then they started raising the fees. And now it's like a penny for every Zap. Uh, so when you get up there and start hitting scale and you're processing large lists of contacts by funneling them from a Google Sheet to a Salesforce to a HubSpot to a Shopify, Zapier bill gets up there. Um, yeah. There are some other apps like Retool, Make, and N8N that do the same thing and are not insanely overpriced, but they're all more fledgling. And so they don't have the same deep app directory. That That's the problem is uh, those boast like 600, 700 apps that they can integrate with, which is a far cry from 12,000. Right. Yeah. I, I've, I've loved Zapier, but yeah, the, the pricing has gotten, uh, 
out of control. And I would encourage you to check out Make N A N and Retool. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of uh, NAN. I'll, I'll check out that one. I've, you know, for personal stuff, I've used IFT, if this, then that. Like, yeah. I've loved that thing since, you know, whatever. And I, I was like, you know, early on on that thing. And, and they were like, well, you know, we're thinking about starting a paid portion. You know, I'm like, I have used this thing and it's been such a great tool. Yeah, I'll pay you guys. <laughs> like, I don't even think I have to, but I picked a price and paid them, you know, whatever per month because it is so cool and it's so helpful to me that. I don't know what I would do without it. So I don't want them going away. So yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll pay you guys. It's, well, it's, um, yeah. So I'll tell you, I know you probably got a lot of people in your audience who are considering uh, launching a tech startup one day. And I want to give you Bill Bolden's like two rules for launching tech startups. Okay. Right. I love it. Let's do uh, it. Yeah. First, if your idea is B2B, why shouldn't you be the one to build it? But if your idea is B2C, why should you be the one to build it? Mm. So uh, people have all this incredible B2B experience that they don't believe they have. They're all, everyone is always just wondering, when will I get my million dollar idea, right? And they don't realize that like being a real estate lending escrow manager for the last 10 years they're sitting on this like thing of like, you know, I, I deeply understand how real estate escrow is broken and like, nobody would know that, but you, but if you came up with something that fixes it, you know exactly what it right. would do, who you would sell it to. And you probably know who your first 50 customers would be. Right. And people have this incredible depth of, um, knowledge about the field they've specifically worked in their whole life. But Instead, people are all hung up on B2C ideas, like something that would be an app on people's phones that everybody could use. And what I want them to understand is that no app, even very good ones that function great and have no bugs and do what they're supposed to do, just takes off just because. They have concerted pushes of capital and influence behind them. And if you think that you're like, it would be great. Everybody will want to list their pool on my pool sharing site. And it's like, just because it exists and why, like, what will you do? How will you get right. on 50 community boards and how will you get laws passed to help you regulate it? Are you even thinking about all this stuff or do you just think it would be cool? So people would use it. Right. So I encourage people to pursue their B2B app ideas while understanding that a B2C app idea, like if you think you're making the next TikTok or something, it's like not, not without tens of millions of dollars to bribe celebrities with. You're not right. <laughs> That's, I don't know. Do you have anything to, to, how does that resonate with you? I, 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 uh, right from the start there, I liked what you said. I mean, the, the, um, uh, if really noticing and paying attention to the differences there, I, I think that's, that's really wise. I think that um, uh, I think that if I were thinking about a B to C app, I would probably like. Well, how do I shift it to a B to B app, right? Like, because yeah. I mean, that's that's the other thing with with startups is there's so much shifting, and I feel like I've worked with a couple of startups um, over the years that have shifted way too many times. 
right? Like from a B2B to a B2C, back to a B2B, over to a B2C. And then like, what are you guys? Like, what are you trying to be? Like, right. you know, they lose their focus and, and they just, yeah, they just kind of lose their way. They try yeah. to be everything to everybody and they can't be anything to anybody. Yeah. I, I, I feel like that's a, do you encounter that problem as well? Or is that I do. I'm a little anti-pivot. It's not that I'm anti-pivot. I'm just not pro-pivot. Um, just because pivoting has a lot of big evangelists. Here's what I'll say, right? Um, I heard uh, when, whenever you hear startup advice from a successful exeter on stage, what they're essentially saying is, here are the numbers I played when I got a winning lottery ticket. Yeah. Um, yeah. And because... Right. For every example, there's a counterexample, right? Yeah, here's here's one thing I want to say. Like, there are some people who look at um, the success of, you know, an Uber or an Airbnb and be like, it started as an air mattress company and now it's what it is today. Like, there were so many things on the way. Yeah. For every one of those, there's also an alternate vision of the Instagram, which was like, we do one thing and we do it well. We are just going to be the world's best photo sharing app. We're not going to chase other features. We're going to be the best place to share your photos. Nothing ever deviated them from that goal. And then that led them to a billion dollars too. So I don't think there's one right thing where it's like always pivot all the time or never pivot. Let your vision guide you. Well, what do you, what do you, how do you evaluate which startup you want to work with and which startups like this is garbage? Like, <laughs> you know? well, so again, the um, there are some red flags, which is uh, not appreciating the work of product engineering as though it is a fungible thing that can be paid for and not a true and deep partnership, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I, I prefer to work with founders who view the developer team they're building as really their um their co-pilots along this whole journey. And I do think it is a red flag when somebody's like, I don't even care, like rock bottom, right? If requirements go in, code goes out, find somebody. And I don't like wanna know their name or get to know them. It's like, you will get a bad product that way. Um, yeah. Other red flags is like, yeah, it'll go viral and everyone will use it. Um, or uh, not being able to accept what an MVP looks like. This is the problem I get into a lot with non-technical founders is that um, we spend most of our life interacting with software that has had 50 million or more dollars of developer time sunk into it, right? Every time you use Airbnb and it does a little nice thing like, ooh, people near you like this house and need to open a support call right here. Every time you use Gmail and it corrects a typo for you, all these things, you are using $50 million software, right? And I need people who understand that I cannot get them that, not without $50 million, right? They're trying to get this whole thing done for 75K. And so it's going to be bare bones. It's going to look pretty. It won't be ugly, but it's like only going to do a couple things and it won't do like the whole kitchen sink and have a great feature that suggests what the people near you like and have a support hotline you can call and be properly defended against spam attacks and 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 every one of those is like so i do want to work with people who are as scrappy as i am right they'll 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 
this one company I worked for, three weeks in, we got the prototype out in the first hands. And it wasn't very pretty, but it worked. And it started bringing in sales immediately. And the founder was like, this, this is awesome, right? He's like, yes, it was only three weeks of work, but this, we're on the way, right? What, what will we do when we have months and months of work? That, that's even better. But I need people to not uh, be blinded by what finished software looks like. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think that's also uh, that's yeah. pretty wise because, yeah, you, you, you can't, do, you, you don't have Google's budget. You don't have Apple's budget. You don't have, you know, Microsoft's budget. You don't have Meta's budget. That's one of my biggest um, like, yeah. other, other red flags, although more for the designer, not for me, is when you ask them what, like, an example of, like, the look and feel they're going for for their brand is, right? Mm -hmm. And they point to, like, Apple. And be like, ah, I see. You are modeling yourself after the single design that the most money has ever been poured into in the history of the world. <laughs> exactly. This is what you want your design to be as good as. Exactly. Yes. I'd be like, um, if you're playing football in the backyard with your kid and you're like, just make it a little more like Tom Brady. Try to throw it the way Tom Brady. <laughs> right. I've never thought of that example. I like that one. I'm going to use that the next yeah. time I encounter that. So uh, if uh, I, I'm I'm running out of phone booth time here, so you know we gotta we gotta start to wrap up, but uh, <laughs> we're also about at our usual time here. So uh, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, if they've got a tech product that they you know need some help on, or you know they need one of these audits or some advice, how do they do so? All right, the best way to get in touch with me is LinkedIn, where I am very active. I'm putting my um thingy in the chat. Maybe you can flash it on screen. Okay. I'm uh, Bill Bolden on LinkedIn, uh, but you can flash that on screen if StreamYard lets you. And um, then my website where I take inquiries is billbolden.com, but it's basically just like three screen lengths of testimonials of people who says, Bill does a good job building products. <laughs> <laughs> well, the least you have that many people is that you do a good job. So that's yeah, yeah, And then yeah. I want to make sure everybody sees the spelling of your name, B-O-U-L-D-E-N. Yeah, yeah. B-O-U-L-D-E-N. Like Boulder, but with an N. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Thanks so much for coming on with us, Bill. That was a lot of fun talking with yeah, you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I could have riffed for hours with you guys, but one cannot be in the phone booth for too long. Exactly. It gets a little hot in here. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that much. They, they need to put some fans in here. Um, uh, yeah. Hey, and uh, thank you for uh, for subscribing, for listening, for reviewing DIY for Business. Uh, and you know, as a reminder, we've we've just started uh, getting everything over on YouTube over the last you know I don't know six months or so. So uh, uh, be sure to subscribe over there. Uh, even if you're listening over here, like go check it out over there. Like watch us. You could see us. You could see the phone booth that I'm in. It's really really exciting. I'm trying to figure out what's in the shadows of the phone booth over there. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> thanks so much. And uh, as always, with you know DIY for business with 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 Russ and Greg here, you are not alone.